0: Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods.
1: Welcome to the Edit Your Life podcast. I'm Christine Coe. And I'm Asha Dornfest, and we're here to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. We share practical ways to declutter your home schedule and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. And we believe that baby steps are the key to getting there. Good morning, Christine. Hello, Asha. How are you? I'm fine. I'm looking out the window and it is pitch black outside. So dark in the morning. It's (laughs) so hard to get up these days.
0: (laughs) Goodness
1: gracious. Uh, yeah, but no, we're here. We're, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed and we're ready to talk about everyone's favorite topic, which is money.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like, yeah, it's a topic.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Seriously, actually, I, I actually do enjoy talking about this, this topic because specifically, we're going to be talking about teaching our kids financial literacy. Now, we talked about this before, but it was actually quite a long time ago, and our kids were much, much younger. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be a great time to revisit this topic, both because our kids have grown. I mean, mine are official adults, actually, which is just adults. I am the parent of adult children and also seriously many people's financial lives have obviously been impacted by these last couple of years by the pandemic everything that's gone on so um we've learned a lot the world has changed a lot thought it would be a good time to revisit this
0: Uh Uh it's always a good time to talk about money and i think we'll really capture the spectrum because my two children are definitely not adults yet. (laughs) One, one is almost there she's a young adult um But yeah, I think it's great. And I also actually, you know, one of the reasons we were talking about this is I had a recent piece go live at CNN on the World Channel that felt rather legit, but Mm. uh, it's called It's Time to Talk About Money with Your Tweens and Teens. Here's how. And they were specifically looking for tween and teen coverage. But really, the things that we that I wrote about in that piece and advice I shared from experts and regular people, like everyday, everyday families, um, applies anytime. So mm-hmm. I, I hope people will check it out. I'll link it in the show notes because there are a lot, of, there's a lot of great advice in there.
1: It is a great piece and it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's straightforward. It's something that just, it feels so approachable the way that you write about it. And one thing that I really appreciated was just, t- you know, you were very straightforward in your acknowledgement of how fraught. And difficult this topic is for a lot of folks. I mean, well, first of all, money discussions are taboo for a lot of people. Some people just were raised not to talk about money. But, you know, for many of us, even if we're okay talking about it, it's stressful. You know, there are issues of scarcity in our past, or there are shameful things, mistakes we've made, whatever. And it's just really sometimes hard for people to talk about it with their kids.
0: Absolutely. We have our own shame as and as you mentioned, our own issues. I will say we'll talk about this a little bit more later, probably, but I literally used to be, as an entrepreneur, somebody who runs her own businesses and needs should be looking at numbers. I literally envision Christine Co. with her hands over her eyes, like, no, I just don't even want to look at anything. Mm-hmm. And it's taken a lot of work over the years. And now I'm in a place where I love looking at the numbers now. Mm-hmm. They're so interesting and they tell a lot and we can learn a lot, but it was a process. So mm-hmm. I just want to acknowledge how challenging that can be mm-hmm. and how you can come through and make some changes to get mm-hmm. to the other side of whatever issues you might have.
1: I think that's so important that anybody, no matter where they are financially, can start making some changes. And and it's all about the small changes. Um, even though it feels like this big, huge issue. And, you know, it's interesting. I'm sort of coming at this now as the parent of two adults. And so I'm watching certain things that we've talked about over the years play out, which is really, Mm -hmm. really interesting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the other thing is I'm also sort of walking that line between supporting them in their financial lives and then just really, you know, hands off and, and respecting their privacy and realizing at this point, you know, not that it's like, well, you know, sink or swim kid, but it is definitely their life to live and their decisions to make. So it's, it's just an interesting ongoing conversation. I think the good news is that, um, we can jump in at any time with our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like it, you know, it's too late if you didn't do it at a certain time or whatever else, it's never too late.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, let's jump
0: in. And I'm going to start with one of my very favorite topics of late. I talked about this on a previous episode, but it's cognitive reframing and it's related mm-hmm. to money. And I think that obviously when you're faced with talking to kids about money, if you have your own issues, it, you have to start with you somewhere, right? So I just recommend you think about your own money anxiety and think about what triggers you. Maybe you write it down. Maybe you just think on it. And the reframe here is to really like sit with those feelings of anxiety, say hi to them. It's fine mm. that they exist. And then think about how you now have an amazing opportunity to help your kids navigate any pitfalls or struggles that you had. So for example, in the CNN article, one parent shared with me that, you know, the classic college Credit card sign-up trap. You go to college. I don't know if it's still this way, but I remember when I went to college. That was the first time I had I signed up for a credit card. They had someone at the student center signing kids up, and this uh, person shared with me that they fell into the classic credit card trap. They signed up. They didn't understand the whole interest thing, mm-hmm. and ended up accruing a ton of debt that they had struggled for years to get out from under. So. I think you know, without going into the whole thing, you can use it as an opportunity to just talk about credit card basics and mm-hmm. really think about those instances as opportunities to educate your kids
1: absolutely, absolutely. and as you're talking, it also makes me realize that um you know if you are a person who has partnered up with someone um and you are you know you, it's important to you know sort of check in with that person about their. Um, money issues as well, because I realized that when, you know, this cognitive reframing is so important. And I realized that I had certain assumptions about money and conversations about money that were different than my husband. So we had to sort of work out, you know, we, we, we share our finances. And so we had to sort of work it out between the two of us Mm -hmm. when it, became time to talk to our kids. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it, it's really interesting. And I'm, I mean, I'm really glad that for the most part, we were on the same page, but there were a couple of things that we needed to, you know, we had different ideas about privacy. His family, um, you know, was more open about certain things than my family was. And it was interesting. We had to sort of f- figure that one out. Yep. Um. Okay, great. Uh, I'm just, I'm also thinking about that college credit card trap. It's really interesting. Um. That's when I first got a credit card, too. But yeah. luckily, my my dad really sat me down and talked to me about credit cards. And um, I did the same with my son. So I'm hoping. But that is part of the learning. It's it's hard. Mm-hmm. All right. So related to that, I think one thing that can really help, um, a very sort of um, straightforward way to build that financial literacy um I guess, spirit into your family is to let your kids watch you deal with your finances. So like, for example, you know, when you're paying the bills or doing your taxes or filing your papers or or whatever it is you do, um, this is, it's, we forget this, but it's a rather invisible process to kids. I mean, they're not thinking about it while they're going out around, you know, sort of living their lives you know, in school and living their kid lives. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of those things that really helps when they can see it concretely. They could see the bills come in the mail, you open the bill, you look at it or whatever. And so, you know, this is actually something I didn't do very much. And I've been talking to my son recently, he's 22 and he's asking me a lot of questions and I realize it's because he just like, who else is he going to ask this stuff of? He doesn't know what it's like to pay a mortgage. Even though he's not paying a mortgage anytime soon, he doesn't know what it looks like. Like, how does it happen? And so um, when my kids come home for the holidays in December, I intend to give them a little money tour of our office, like show them the filing cabinet, show them where the will is, all that stuff. Um, I'm even thinking that I might, you know, have my son put his signature on our safe deposit box, you know, the signatory thing, you know, really show him what the concrete pieces of our financial life are so that he can start wrap it, wrapping his head around it a little bit more.
0: I love it. That's next mm-hmm. level adulting. Mm.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. But
0: you're, you're absolutely right. It's well, and I think that some of these processes, it occurs to me, are just they're even more invisible now just because with online bill pay and all that mm-hmm. stuff, I actually remember Well, it was it was not a relaxing observation, but watching my mom, she had this drawer in the kitchen that was just stuffed with check registers and bills Mm -hmm. and things like that. And I remember seeing her at the kitchen table paying bills. And, you know, the kids don't see that now because it doesn't happen that way. So, right. I think that's a that's a really great observation. Okay. well, we have a lot more to talk about. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. That's Understood Explains, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: All right, friends, we're back and we are talking about raising Money Wise Kids. And I want to make a suggestion that I've made before on this podcast, but I'm going to bring it back again because I think it, uh the significance changes as your kids get older. And that is to consider opening separate bank accounts for your kids, one, a spending account and one, a savings account. Now, they can both be the same type of account um, at the bank, but they're two separate pots of money, basically. And um, let me explain why I think that has is significant because I've watched it play out, and I think it's really it worked out well, so when our kids were growing up, we gave them allowance, and um whatever the amount was, we split it into in half, and half went to auto transfers from our bank account to theirs, one went into their spending account, one into what we called long term savings. The rule that we had was they could decide. How to spend any of the money in their spending account, um, and the long-term savings would be given to them when they moved out. So there was like a basically an automatic savings plan that they had. Now the other thing that they got to decide was how to allocate money that they earned or that they received as gifts. So they like, let's say they got you know twenty-five bucks from my mom or something, they could either put it all in their spending account, all in their savings. They they got to decide. So. Um there were some really beautiful things about this. First of all, they got to watch a savings account grow. Um but they didn't really think about it because it was quote-unquote long-term savings. They didn't have access to it. Um they also had complete freedom over their own spending money, and that really was a way for them to learn how to manage it. Um it was I think the best thing because they you know could watch it grow they could watch it disappear very suddenly if they spent a very spent a very big amount and um but the thing that actually uh you know that we have just experienced is that they got their long-term savings when they moved out and and left for college and that was a huge deal for them to move out and have this big chunk of money just sitting there basically which they have watched grow and is now theirs and it's really interesting Now, obviously, my daughter's just moved, but my son, who's now been moved out for a while, that savings account is still sitting there. In fact, he has, of his own accord, decided to auto-transfer $25 a, um, a week, I think, or maybe a month, I don't know, from his spending to his savings. So he has started setting that up himself. So it was just a really simple way to sort of create a structure that allowed for independent financial learning.
0: Mm-hmm. Talk about the long game. Like if you think about it from a behavioral perspective, you conditioned them over a span of who knows how many years to yeah. not touch that account. Like that's right. Re- that's pretty rad.
1: Yeah, know. no, it's really, really rad. And, and again, let me just say that, you know, if you're saying, oh, great, my kid's 16. I wish I would have thought of that a long time ago or whatever you know whatever it's it's okay you can do these things at any time you can do these things when your kids move out and you know if you want to and you can you know if you are a person who gives your kid financial gifts you could just think about it that way but it, it's uh it, it's it's really worked well for us so mm-hmm. just something to think about that's very cool that's very cool all right
0: well my next tip is a really quick one and it's it's a great one with younger kids also or maybe it's primarily in the domain of younger kids i don't know but it's to let kids make mistakes right now while the stakes are pretty low. So for example, we did this with both of our kids around allowance and it, it reali- I realized that there's something a little deeper here. So the idea is, you know, if they're experimenting with a $10 purchase of a crap toy and it bake breaks two days later, th- they'll, they'll be able to see that happen in real time. But the reason this is also on my mind is because what we assign value to is gonna inherently be different to what a kid assigns value to right so i think it's actually in addition to the pragmatic like let them experiment let them experience you know the disappointment if something breaks or doesn't work out or whatever it's a safe time it's also just respecting them and a choice and something they want to do so um yeah, we've we found this to be really helpful with both of our kids in the, in the earlier years. And we still do this with Vi sometimes if she decides that she wants to spend a little money. She actually has, I think she has like a wallet in her cabinet or something with her own money, just stuff that she's gotten over time. And if she wants something, we have a little conversation about it, especially if it's like a $20 thing. That seems like a lot of money to a 10-year-old, but we'll talk about, you know, oh, do you think that's really worth it? And She usually has a pretty strong sense of self on that stuff, but then we let it play out, you know, while
1: these while the stakes are low. I think that is so, so important on so many levels. Um, You know, the basic notion of respecting the fact that your kids have different ideas of of what is actually worth the money spending Um, you know, when something breaks, the fact that sometimes things just break. Sometimes it's not because it's crap. Sometimes it just breaks and it's a bummer. You know, the emotional process of dealing with that disappointment or even that regret sometimes, like these are all things that we all go through. And I think in the end, you know, the healthiest relationship one can have with money is when one realizes that they're not, so attached to the things out there that like, oh, I would really like that thing. Hmm, Maybe I can't afford it right now. Maybe it's something that really gives me delight, but it's something that you actually can navigate because you're in touch with your own values. Mm -hmm. And the only way you get in touch with your own values is to practice. And so Mm -hmm. that's what you're talking about. And I think that took us a, a, a while to learn, honestly, because- you know uh the example that i will use is video games my son always wanted to spend his money on video games and once video games became online purchases um it was like it, you know it, he he could buy whatever he want whenever he wanted there were no more trips to the game store that were necessary and i remember i had such a problem with it you know not we didn't fight about it a lot but i had such a problem with it and i realized it was just because i didn't value video games but the fact is They're so important to him. I now understand for many more reasons than I originally realized. And so I just think that um, it's a quick tip, but it is it is extremely profound Mm. and very wise, by the way, Christine. I think that's so great. All right. Um, Okay. so. We're talking about letting our kids make mistakes. My next tip is all about sharing our mistakes. (laughs) I think it's a really good idea. Uh, you know, when these sort of moments are right to talk to your kids about your financial missteps. Now, you obviously can decide, you know, sort of when and where to talk about, you know, whatever has gone on in your life. But, you know, back to this reality that there's so much shame and fear around money. Um, I think that, um, you know, it just sort of looms in the background. And I think that once again, When you let your kids in and let them know the choices and mistakes you've made, how it felt, how you address them, it just helps bring this topic down to size. And so, for example, um, you know, when we got married, my husband and I, my husband actually had a ton of credit card debt. Now, it wasn't a financial misstep exactly, because this was how he paid his college expenses, um so it wasn't like a mistake that he made oops i accidentally you know spent tons of money on you know clothes or whatever but we still had a mountain of credit card debt um you know to deal with in the beginning of our of our marriage So um, I think it's just worthwhile talking about it. We spent the first few years of our marriage paying it off. And honestly, I remember the day that we did. The day we paid it off, that feeling, it was like such a great feeling. And sharing that feeling with our kids um, is good, too. And the fact is that because of it, we actually really learned to budget and Mm -hmm. take it step by step. So there were things that we learned from the process and we came back from it. I think that's probably the most important lesson of all. Yeah. So anyway, I think we need to talk about these things.
0: Absolutely. And I will say, I think that with credit card debt and student loans, that when you mm-hmm. get that balance to zero, there should be some celebratory rocket that goes off and nothing happens. Or we were <laughs> like fireworks. I remember paying off my college loans and I was like, Great. And there's nothing. <laughs> <It's> like,
1: <laughs> uh, we gotta we gotta create our own celebrations. You I'll know make what a I'm gift. saying? I've learned
0: how to make gifts and it's a, uh, you know next level.
1: I mean, so, sometimes there should be fireworks for just getting to the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? yo, I'm, oh, yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, okay. Well let's, yeah, let's, uh, keep the fireworks going. I don't know. I'm thinking about them, but anyway, um, my next tip is not rocket science, but it is to encourage your kids to work. <laughs> it's, I mean, the reality is that working for money makes kids appreciate the money more and i feel like there's actually another win inside of this i feel like each of my tips has another like layer of emotional work inside of it now that i'm a feelings person asha things are very complicated <laughs> um but my point is that i feel like there are so many life skills working in jobs that have basic challenges in them for example i'm thinking dealing with difficult customers mm. setting boundaries with bosses and i just feel like in the service jobs that uh service and then other things like being a camp counselor the summer etc laurel has seriously leveled up in the communication department in the various mm-hmm. jobs that she had she has had and also she loves spending her own money so the way we work it is that we pay for be- basics you know socks underwear school supplies that kind of stuff but then extra things Clothes, outings with friends, you know, that kind of stuff, recreation, concert tickets. Apparently that's going to be a thing sometime. Mm. She pays for with her own hard-earned money,
1: and Mm -hmm. it's fantastic for everybody. Mm. So
0: I can't recommend it enough.
1: Thank you for talking about the self-esteem that comes with being able to spend your own money. There's nothing like it for kids, really. Uh And I think that um, that feeling of financial independence, you know, it, it can be a gradual thing, but it is it is a heady feeling and it's really good. Yeah, it's fantastic. All right. Well, we have a couple more ideas to talk
0: about. We'll do that after a quick break.
2: If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks.
3: You've come to the right place. My mother in law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.
1: All right, friends, we're back and we are still talking about. Financial literacy and kids. I am going to suggest um, that you give your kids a financial management reference book. Now, for Christmas or Hanukkah, perhaps. (laughs) Okay. So I know some, I mean, like, could there be a more boring gift, right? Okay. I'm just going to push back on that because, um, first of all, it's really, really empowering to know the very basics of you know, sort of financial adulting, things like insurance, savings accounts, credit cards, investing, that kind of stuff. And honestly, it's not like many of us know this stuff just off the top of our head. It's not like, you know, you, you turn 21 and magically this information just, you know, appears in your mind. So, you know, chances are you, maybe you didn't even have anyone to teach you this stuff. And so you're sort of groping your way along. There are some really good books out there and um, that can really create a a financial big picture for, you know, sort of a theoretical big picture for you and for your kids. And I realize that this seems intimidating, but actually the basics are very, very simple, including the basics of investing, by the way. Um, The thing is, there's such a huge benefit to starting early that it is really a great gift or thing for teens and tweens. So, I think the other thing to realize is that, you know, I got to say that what my kids are hearing about sort of the financial future is very different than what I was hearing when I was their age. I mean, they are hearing all sorts of financial doomsday scenarios um, about climate change, about, you know, clearly we're still dealing with the economic fallout of COVID. They're dealing with, you know, just the the, the widening wealth gap. Um, I mean, They have a very different sense of what is ahead of them financially and not to mention student debt. So I really think that arming them with information is a good thing, even if they sort of look at it like, oh, boy, thanks, mom, (laughs) you know, but um, let me tell you, my dad gave me a financial book when I was in college and it uh, it really set me up for life, honestly. So the book that my dad gave me was Jane Bryant Quinn's Making the Most of Your Money Um, This was like, you know, back in the 90s. So obviously many more books have been written, although hers is a classic um, and I will link up the most recent edition in our show notes. Um, Have a look, you know, go to the bookstore, have a look or the library or whatever. See what you can find in terms of basic financial management books and get some, you know, recommendations from from folks you trust and think about it. It's a really, really great thing.
0: I think that's fantastic and I know I was joking about holiday gifting but I think it's I think it's great. And no, it's it's a great gift. It's a great gift. It's so necessary and really one of the uh, one of the one of my like you know sort of aggravation points is that kids are not taught financial literacy in school. So it really this is a situation where it really is the onus is on parents and caregivers to kind of help kids get this work done. It's really Mm -hmm. challenging. And they
1: want, and they want to know this information. They they want to go into their life, not feeling completely clueless or, you know, like my son often says, like, I should know this. He says to me, and I'm like, why should you know this? I mean, where is the magical knowledge supposed to come? Like from drinking water? I mean, no, you, if you're interested, let's sit down. I should teach you this, you know?
0: Yeah. It's very intentional. The, The whole process has to be intentional. Yes. Well. Speaking of tactics, I have to bring up the Roth IRA, which I think I think I first heard about you talk about this years ago, and um, I believe that might have inspired us to set it up, but I I honestly had not thought about it for a very long time, and then in my CNN article, one of my experts, Beth Kobliner, recommended this very thing um, to talk to kids about opening a Roth IRA. Actually, it had been so long since we set it up that I talked about it with Laurel and she's like, yeah, mom, we did that years ago. So <laughs> anyway, um, it's just such a great opportunity to talk to kids about compound interest. And as you said, letting, letting things grow and letting them see things grow. And I want to share the example that she talked about in, or shared with me for the article, because she talks about starting the Roth IRA at, even at age 20. So, you know, I'm saying this if you're a parent of teens or younger kids, the earlier you start, great. But if you haven't started it yet, that's okay. Like, there's plenty of time. So the scenario she gave to talk to kids about was starting at age 20, if you save $1,000 a year and stop at age 30, you'll have more than $200,000 by retirement. Oh, yeah. That's mind-blowing, right? (laughs) That's, like, mind-blowing. So, yeah, that's 10 years starting at age 20. I just want to like leave that there, drop the mic. OK, I'm done, Asha.
1: OK, I, I I shouldn't say anything and I should allow the mic to stay dropped. But I have to jump in because I am not even and I am not evangelical about many things except the Roth IRA <laughs> with with young teens and tweens. And the fact is that this tip goes with your tip of encouraging them to work because the thing about a Roth IRA is that earnings have to go into the Roth IRA. It's not like you could just take any money and put in there. It has to be money that they earn, you know, like from a W-2 or something. So mm-hmm. paychecks and things. So it like my thing is literally as soon as a kid gets a, an official job with earnings, I'm like start the Roth IRA kid because it is just like that. The earlier you start it, like you said, it's just this magical scenario. I mean, obviously, there are no guarantees. Generally, Roth IRAs are invested in the stock market. So unlike a bank account, you know, you can't it's not like guaranteed by the government. But historically, they always, you know, increase over a long period of time. And it is so great. Yes, Roth IRA. (laughs) Seriously, kids, look at me. I've become like that old lady who comes up to kids and like, you know, here's what I wish I did when I was young, but I did do it when I was young and let me tell you, at this point in my life I'm really happy. So, yes, everybody look That's into great. a Roth IRA.
0: All right, Asha, we're going to close <sighs> out this episode. I would love to hear what your next edit is today. Okay, I need to
1: calm down after that exciting that exciting Seriously. explosion of Roth IRA enthusiasm. <laughs> okay. Uh all right, friends. Well, unsurprisingly, my next edit is for you to either check out from the library or buy the book, Making the Most of Your Money. Um, I'm just going to say buy the book that I read because I know that it was a really good book and financial uh, advice doesn't really change much over the years. So check it out. I I am sure there are other good, more recent books out there, but that one really, really worked for me.
0: That's awesome. Well, I will go ahead and... Uh... Also include, follow that up with uh Beth Kobliner's book. She was the expert that dropped that IRA <laughs> nugget for me. But she has she is the author of the book Make Your Kid a Money Genius, even if you're not. Seriously, best oh. title ever. Yeah, I was just <laughs> gonna say,
1: like that book sells itself. It really, really, seriously. Okay, that's great. Thanks. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, well, mine, your next edit actually, it's a little uh I'm I'm gonna insert a mantra moment. And mm. I would like to encourage people who are feeling stressed out, have not had a chance to cognitive reframe, are feeling like anxious because that's that's fine and that's life and that's real. I just want to encourage you to say to yourself something like my money missteps or issues in the past do not define me or how
1: I can take action today. Mm. That's it. It it's so simple. But it's so good to know that, you know, just because something has happened before doesn't mean it has to happen in the future. Yeah. It's so simple. So simple. I
0: think I'll make that into a little share graphic just so people can easily access it later.
1: But Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So simple but important. Mm -hmm. Make it your phone background, you know, so you can just look at it. Mm -hmm. All right, friends. Well. You will find the show notes for this episode, including links to the resources we've mentioned, plus lots of great related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. And as ever, we'd love to hear your thoughts and questions. Chat with us
0: on Instagram or Facebook at edityourlifeshow or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. We'd also be grateful if you would drop us a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about us. Thanks for listening.
4: No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why?